Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and today is going to be the first part of a two-part episode. I was putting some thoughts together for today's show, and I realized it was either going to be really long or I was going to have to cut, and I just decided that I would make it two because I can make those kinds of decisions. I wanted to talk about being overfed but undernourished. Sometimes this is referred to as malnutrition of affluence. Basically, like we can choose so many different options of food and we're eating plenty of food, but we are not getting enough nutrition. We're eating too much, but we're starving our bodies of critical nutrients because the foods we are choosing, though energy dense, are lacking in the critical nutrients our body needs for operations. So ultimately what happens here is we are starving ourselves of nutrients and poisoning ourselves with volume and overabundance, right? We know we're eating plenty, we're getting enough food, but we're not nourishing our bodies. We're not fueled the way we need to be. It's kind of like, pouring milk in the gas tank of your car and knowing that the tank is full, but the car has no power for the operations that it needs to do, right? And we're basically doing that. We're filling our tank with energy, but not the fuel that the body needs. And so much of this has to do with the rise of processed foods. Because think about it. Processed food and the creation of processed foods by these companies, it's a financial opportunity for them. It's about sales for them. And in order for these processed foods to be successful, they must be two things. They must be low cost and high margin. By being low cost, then they're affordable to everybody. The market size is bigger, so sales can be higher. And by being high margin, they are profitable for these companies. So they cannot, by nature of this understanding of what they need to be for the sake of business, they cannot contain high quality ingredients and be nutrient dense because then they get bumped out of both of those categories. They're no longer lower cost when the quality of the ingredients goes up and they're no longer higher margin, right? We eat every couple of hours, if not more, and We are sedentary. So just looking at that fact alone leads us to conclude that we are overfed. The choices that we make indicate that we are malnourished, undernourished, right? And without going off onto a tangent, which I would love to do, maybe someday will, 
we don't just apply this philosophy or this strategy of overfed and undernourished when it comes to food. We take this approach in so many areas of our lives, right? Consuming eight plus hours a day of media between TV and social media and the internet, right? We're consuming a ton of media and information, but it's like junk food for our brain. It is not the fuel. It is not nourishing to our minds. We are in this pattern of overconsumption and undernutrition or undervalue in so many areas of our lives. And a wonderful question that I think we can ask ourselves when considering, should I eat this or should I not eat this, is, is this energy and nutrition? Or is this energy without nutrition, right? So many of the foods we consume contain calories and therefore provide energy, but are absolutely lacking in nutrition, in the raw materials that our body needs, and that's how we get into this place of overfed and undernourished. What does that lead to? I mean, this is kind of a no-brainer, but obesity and chronic disease plus hunger, Cravings, fatigue, pain, inflammation, lack of confidence, depression, you name it. These are direct results of being both underfed and or overfed and undernourished. So as I decided that I wanted to take this and turn it into an episode, I just Googled the phrase overfed and undernourished, and it turns out that there is a documentary by that name. It's it's okay. It's not a bad documentary, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you go out and, and watch it um, per se, although it wasn't bad. But one of the things that starts out the film is there is a lecturer in with a group of parents and grandparents, and he says, would you willingly feed your child synthetic hormones. Like if you walked through the grocery store and there was a package on the shelf that said synthetic hormones, would you give it to your kid? Of course not. Would you give your kid propylene glycol, which is one of the main ingredients in antifreeze? No. What about ethyl acetate, which is found in leather cleaning products? I mean, common sense, right? We're all thinking no, and I know where you you know where this is going. Those are the ingredients in ice cream right? Are there ice creams without these? Yes, of course. But the standard ice cream that you're going to buy at the grocery store is going to contain synthetic hormones, propylene glycol, and ethyl acetate. And we treat these as food. We consume these processed things every day without thought. It's just normal. But it's not normal. And that's why the state of our health is not normal. That is why we are overweight, why we are obese or sick or have ADD or ADHD or we're moody or we're tired or we have inflammation. So what I want to do over the next two episodes, this one and one more, is talk about five things that I think we're missing out on because we are overfeeding and undernourishing five categories that I think we are missing out on. I don't need to stand here and be a fear monger. Because what I would really rather you do, instead of panicking about the chemicals you're introducing into your system, I would rather have you take the approach of, let me make sure that I'm incorporating these things. Let me build my daily nutrition around giving my body what I need. And then when I do that, we can have margin for things that maybe are processed foods. We don't have to be purists. Now, it's wonderful if you want to be a purist. I personally am not a purist. 
narcissist. And I don't think you have to be. And I don't think you have to operate out of fear. But if we take this approach of let me make sure that first and foremost, before I add anything else to my diet, before I put anything else on my plate, that I am giving my body the raw materials it needs to be healthy and stay healthy. And then after that, I can make those other choices. But first and foremost, I'm going to give my body what it needs. So I'm going to talk about two of the five today and then three of the five on Saturday. Saturday's episode will go into those three. So the first one I want to talk about is essential fatty acids. We are not consuming enough of these essential fatty acids. Now, I already did an episode on omega-3 fatty acids, which is one type of essential fatty acid, and I will link to that episode in the show notes for this episode, which you can find on primalpotential.com. Let's talk about what essential fatty acids are, why they're essential, what happens if we aren't getting enough, and most of us are not, and where we can get more of them. So fatty acids are the building blocks of dietary fats. And there are essential fatty acids, which is what we're talking about now, and non-essential fatty acids. The essential ones, our body cannot make them. Our body cannot generate them from other raw materials. We need them for the operations of our body, but we have to consume them. If we do not consume them, or if we do not consume enough of them, our body doesn't have what it needs. It can't function optimally, period. And one of the biggest areas where we fall short here is specific to omega-3 fatty acids. And I know that generally speaking, most of us understand that omega-3s are a healthy fat, and we associate them with heart health, but it is way more than that. And I want to get into some of those uh, further details in today's episode. Let's keep in mind, first of all, that every single cell in your body contains fat, is made up of fat. The cell membrane is primarily fat. We've got to have fat. When we starve our body of these essential fatty acids, we are setting ourselves up for trouble. Plus, our brain is about 60% fat, 6-0. So when we are deficient in fat, especially these essential fats that our body cannot generate on its own, we are creating problems, serious problems. When we are deficient in essential fatty acids, the ones that the body has to have but cannot make, we see digestive issues. We see trouble focusing and lack of concentration or attention, memory, right? We see lower quality of our hair, our skin, and our nails. What most of us are going to care maybe mostly about is when we do not consume enough of these essential fatty acids, we see a resistance to weight loss, in part because our body just can't functional function optimally because it doesn't have all the raw materials it needs, but also because the body knows it needs fat. And when you are not consuming enough, your body will hold on to the fat that it has. So in an absence of adequate essential fatty acids, we see a resistance to weight loss. We see mood disorders and changes in personality. 
we find that we are more sensitive to stress. And when we look at societies where the consumption of omega-3 is dangerously low, like the United States, we see more homicides, more suicides, and more depression. And remember, when we see this lack of essential fatty acids, we do see problems with focus, concentration, mood, and changes in personality. It is because our body must have that for optimal and proper complete function. It's not optional at all. Now, many people will look at this and say, oh, well, I'll just start supplementing with omega-3s. But it is not that straightforward. And the reason for that is because the omega-3 consumption is only part of the issue here. So not consuming enough omega-3s is one thing, and that is a problem. But the other part of the problem that largely gets ignored is that we consume far too many omega-6s. Now, there's obviously the issue of if we're eating more of one thing, we're probably eating less of another, right? Because we just don't have equal intake of everything. So if we're getting most of our fats from omega-6s, chances are we aren't getting as many from omega-3s. But the issue goes beyond that. Omega-3s and omega-6s are competitive in the body, okay? So what I mean by that is when you consume both omega-3s and omega-6s, they compete for the enzymes required for metabolism. So if you are consuming 20 times more omega-6s than omega-3s, which is about the standard ratio in the American diet, unfortunately, the omega-6s are going to use up all of those enzymes and there won't be any left for the metabolism of the omega-3s. So when people just say, oh, I'll just start taking omega-3s, if you don't do anything to address the overconsumption of omega-6s, your body can't necessarily use the omega-3s that you consume. So that's where we get really confused on this, right? And we have, unfortunately, before processed foods, the ratio used to be one-to-one, omega-3 to omega-6 consumption. But now we're consuming anywhere from like 15 to 25 times more omega-6s than omega-3s. That is the biggest issue. Yes, we need to consume more omega-3s, but more than that, we need to limit our consumption of omega-6s. Omega-6s are most prominent in processed food and crop oils, crop oils like corn oil, canola oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, those are very rich in omega-6 fatty acids. Now, not only do the omega-6 compete with the omega-3, and we want to reduce their consumption for that reason, but the omega-6 fatty acids, by and large, are pro-inflammatory. They are pro-inflammatory. So all of the things that omega-3s do to lower inflammation and improve cognitive health, omega-6s are kind of the antagonist. They trigger inflammation and they can lead to uh, cognitive decline and obesity, whereas omega-3s are going to reduce your risk for those things. So I want to really be clear here that if your initial reaction is, oh, I'll just take a supplement, you might not solve the problem that you have. 
so just to give you an idea, and I am going to post this picture that I'm looking at right now that, of course, you can't see in the show notes page, but it's a breakdown of the common oils that people use for cooking or consume as supplements, and it breaks down the omega-6 content and the omega-3 content. Now, so what we're looking at here, and you can see this image on the show notes page for this episode at primalpotential.com, but what we're looking at here is the percentage of the fat in that oil that comes from either omega-6s or omega-3s. So safflower oil is going to be about 75% omega-6s, and its omega-3 content is about zero. Sunflower oil. 65% of the fat coming from omega-6s, zero from omega-3s. Corn oil, 54% from omega-6s, zero from omega-3. Cottonseed oil, 50% from omega-6s, zero from omega-3. Sesame oil is 42% of the fat from omega-6 fatty acids, zero from omega-3. Peanut oil, 32% from omega-6s, Uh, zero from omega-3. Soybean oil, please don't touch this stuff, 51% from omega-6s, 7% from omega-3s. Canola oil, 20% from omega-6s, 9% from omega-3s. Now, before I continue on, you might be wondering, well, that doesn't add up to 100. You're right. There are other fats other than omega-3s and omega-6s. We're looking at these two specifically because we're talking about essential fatty acids, but there are other kinds of fats that can add up to 100%. Um, Walnut oil, 52% from omega-6s, 10% from omega-3s. Flaxseed oil, 14%, 1-4, from omega-6s, 57% from omega-3, which is a lot better, but not ideal. Fish oil, 0% from omega-6s, 100% from omega-3s, which is really wonderful. When people ask, how much omega-3 should I shoot for? It totally depends. And I know some people get frustrated when I say that, but I think any other answer is like misleading because it depends. It depends. Your need for omega-3s can be significantly higher if your consumption of omega-6s is really high, right? So it's relative to the omega-6s because we really want that one-to-one ratio. So you'll be much better served instead of looking at it as how much omega-3 should I be taking, I would look at it as how can I I decrease my omega-6 consumption and increase my omega-3 consumption, bringing them closer to a one-to-one ratio. Now, you might be thinking, and you're, you're definitely on the right track if you don't consume these crop oils, safflower, sunflower, corn, cottonseed, sesame, peanut, soybean, canola. Those are not the best kinds of cooking oils. You want to be focusing on an extra virgin olive oil or a coconut oil. Those are certainly much more healthy fats than these crop oils. But even if you are already avoiding those crop oils, and that's an awesome, awesome start, please keep in mind that omega-6 content can be quite high in other whole foods. And so we are not absolved from the need to reduce our omega-6 content just if we're avoiding these crop oils. Because number one, remember that omega-6s are very common in processed foods, but also in some whole foods. So if we look at the omega-6 content per 100 grams of some whole foods, 
we see about 38 grams of omega-6s per 100 grams of walnuts. We see about 3 grams of omega-6s per 100 grams of chicken or 2 grams of omega-6s per 100 grams of avocado. 1.3 grams of omega-6s per 100 grams of eggs. So they're not like super, super prevalent in these foods, but they are there. So we do have to be aware of both reducing the omega-6s and increasing the omega-3s. So where do we get these omega-3 essential fatty acids? Wild caught fish is really going to be your best bet. Yes, you can buy supplements, but supplement quality is so variable that I really would encourage you to focus on whole foods whenever possible. I do go much deeper into omega-3 supplementation in the omega-3 episode, so I'm not going to do that here, but if you want to know more about that, definitely check out that episode. You can also get omega-3s from grass-fed beef and even grass-fed chicken because the fact that they consume grass instead of, say, corn increases their omega-3 while keeping their omega-6 content down. I'm also going to link in the show notes to a chart that shows you the omega-3 and omega-6 content of common food. So you can reference that over in the show notes at primalpotential.com. The second thing that I want to talk about today that I think we are not getting enough of in this situation where we are overfed but undernourished, I would love to see people focus on getting more vitamin D. D as in David. Like essential fatty acids, we know that vitamin D is so important, right? But kind of in a smile and nod way. Or maybe in the way of like, yeah, just tell me what's the best vitamin D supplement. And just like the essential fatty acids, it's not as simple as just running to vitamin shop and buying a supplement that maybe you'll remember to take. About 60%, 60% of Americans are not getting enough vitamin D, right? And when we are not getting enough, we fall into this category, quite frankly, of being malnourished. Our body cannot function optimally, it can't, when it has tools missing from its toolbox. And we do that by eating foods that are high in energy and low in nutrition. And we want the quick fix with supplements, but that is a very incomplete response. So let's talk for just a few minutes about what vitamin D is and why it is important. I think most of us are vaguely familiar with the idea that vitamin D has something to do with sunshine and immunity and bone health. And that is true, but it's like saying that airplanes have something to do with the sky. Yes, it's true, but it's largely incomplete. Vitamin D is unique in that it is both a vitamin and a hormone. And we know, because I talk about it on just about every episode, if not every episode, that fat loss is almost entirely hormonal. So it is no surprise at all that vitamin D is both about health and, very significantly, it is about fat loss because all of our hormones are a network. They are an integrated network. And if one of them is off, then that influences the others. Without 
adequate vitamin D. We cannot manage our insulin response adequately. We can't. Without adequate vitamin D, we cannot manage our insulin response adequately, and we cannot control our blood sugar optimally. Again, we are removing a critical tool from our body's toolbox because we are not focused on nutrition. When we do not get enough adequate vitamin D, we increase our risk for high triglycerides, low HDL cholesterol, which is the good cholesterol number we want to be high. We increase our risk of heart disease, our risk for autoimmune diseases. We impair our sleep and it impacts our body's signaling of hunger and satiety, appetite and satisfaction. Those things are significantly influenced by inadequate consumption of vitamin D. Plus, we mess with our mood and emotions, just like the essential fatty acids. And we have no wonder why so many people struggle with depression and anxiety, because we're taking critical tools out of our toolbox because we don't focus on nutrition. Vitamin D is a hormone, and dysregulation of any and all hormones is going to impact mood and metabolism and fat loss. So in the scheme of all of the things that we could do to improve our health, making sure that we're consuming the nutrients our body needs that we're not malnourished and overfed, leave the overfed part on hold for a second, just that we're not malnourished, that we're not starving our bodies of the tools that it needs to work we can improve our mood, our outlook, our sleep, our metabolism, and our fat loss. So these are fairly easy things in the scheme of life that we can focus on. Now, one of the things that people really get messed up when they look at just like, oh, give me a pill to take. Like, what's the best vitamin D supplement out there? Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. So for optimal absorption, it must be consumed with fat. If you take your vitamin D on an empty stomach or with a low-fat or fat-free meal, you cannot metabolize and absorb it optimally, right? Now, there are three different ways to ensure adequate consumption of vitamin D. The first one is sunlight. The second one is food. And the third, and I think the last option, is supplementation. Now, we do not have universal exposure to sunlight because it's seasonal, right? You're not going to get the same amount of vitamin D through the sun in the middle of the winter that you are in the summer. But just to give you a sense of how powerful this is, full body exposure, and I don't mean like, like nude, right, but also not covered up, exposing a good amount of your skin, arms, legs, face, chest, whatever, to the sunshine for about 30 minutes without sunscreen can generate between 10,000 and 20,000 IUs, that stands for international units, that's the unit of measurement for vitamin D, in just that 30 minutes, 10,000 to 20,000 IUs. Most supplements out there are between 1,000 and 5,000 IUs. There are some that are much, much higher than that, but a lot of those are gonna get into the prescription strength supplements. 30 minutes of sun exposure 
10,000 to 20,000 IUs. Now, if you are out there shoveling snow right now and the only thing exposed is the tip of your nose, that's obviously not going to have the same effect, which is why I say that there's some seasonal variability here, but it is very powerful to know and understand that moderate exposure to the sun can be powerful for our health and our hormones. When it comes to food, vitamin D rich foods include um, herring, so certain types of fish, tuna, trout, eel, mackerel, sardines, but also chicken, eggs, beef, liver, pork. Those are wonderful as well. So definitely focus on those kinds of things on a regular basis. Not like, oh, today I'll have tuna for dinner because Elizabeth mentioned that and then I won't think about it for the rest of my life. We have to switch our focus to giving our body what it really needs. Now, if you want to go the supplement route, that is fine, but please, please, please do not think that that absolves you from focusing on nutrient-dense foods because it doesn't, because there are other cofactors required for proper metabolism and absorption, and you miss out on those a lot of times when you supplement. If you are going to do a supplement, of course, by vitamin D3, cholecalciferol, that is the active form of vitamin D. So you don't want to get an inactive form. Make sure it says vitamin D3 and focus on, I would say, a supplement that has around 5,000 IUs, international units. That's a wonderful thing. And then make sure that when you take your vitamin D3 supplement, you do so with a meal containing fat. Do not take it on an empty stomach. Do not take it with a leafy green salad or a glass of orange juice or your cup of coffee. It does need that fat. So I want to challenge you, and we're going to talk about three more things in the next episode, but in the meantime, instead of focusing on what you should avoid for weight loss, consider what you should include for health. Instead of looking at it as fed or not fed, overfed or underfed, look at it as nourished or malnourished. What will this food do for my body or my health? Is this energy or is this nutrition or is it both? And let's strive to emphasize and give priority to those things that give us nutrition, not just energy. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Check back for the next segment where we're going to talk about three more things that I think we are deficient in that I would love to see you focus on for health, fat loss, and metabolism. We'll see you guys soon. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.